This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. These days when you're doing podcasts, it could be any time. So please uh, uh, remind yourself of what time it is, and we'll be delighted uh, to be greeting you at that time, that particular time. Yay. Right. So uh, it's quite often the morning, though, that we're broadcasting the uh, Arty Farty Show. And uh, if you're listening uh, between 11 and 12 o'clock on a Saturday, welcome. And uh, if you're not, Welcome. So uh, that's uh, that sounds pretty good. That to me. sounds all right. And I've got Andy here, of course. Andy Cook, I'm so pleased he's back. And um, uh, we're although we, we actually did the last show together, uh, and we're talking about the Beatles. With the Beatles and their uh, and their covers, the, yes. the various artwork that went into their covers, which was very interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting because. When you look at that, whenever you look at a, a an album cover or a CD cover, you've got to realise that it didn't just happen by magic. It's yeah. Someone's actually designed it. If it's a photograph or a painting or whatever, so someone actually had to sit down and design it. And it's, I think it's quite interesting when the band members actually design their own thing. Like uh, Freddie used to do a lot of his. He yes. was a graphic artist. So, yes, that's right. So he used to so – you don't even have to call him Freddie Mercury now. You just say Freddie. Freddie. It's not Fender. Yeah, yeah, that's no right. No one thinks you're talking about Fender. The one with the teeth. The one with the teeth, Yeah. <laughs> No, that's right. Not can't be offended. No, quite right, right. He'd be offended. He'd be offended. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Now we've, um, uh, we, we, as you know, uh, Andy uh, Cook has that wonderful shop uh, now, uh, well known as Art Zone, and it is almost a home away from home for artists and uh, uh, the people that need to get their uh, supplies. Supplies. Uh, to get their uh, art supplies, and uh, <laughs> and um, we've been talking about what's happening down there in Hanover Street, uh, and it's, I love going down there because uh, Andy comes up and uh, says hello, and and uh, Rocky comes up and says nothing. He doesn't say. He anything. just he just uh, he just licks your ankles. He's, yes, he's, he's a bit of an ankle. If you're wondering, uh, Rocky is a 15 month old uh, Shih Tzu poodle that lives in the shop. Yes. And it's funny because I take him for a walk around the hospital every day, stretch his legs. And nobody knows my name, but they all know Rocky's name. They're, oh, okay, Rocky. Because they've come in the shop and because he's, yeah. he's a huge topic of conversation. The amount of people that come up and greet Rocky, but they don't know, they don't greet no. me. And Rocky has never said a word to me, he's, actually. No, no. <laughs> but he really, he certainly greets us. Um, lovely. So the, uh, the thing that we've been doing this year, we haven't been here too often to remind you of our new hours, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, we're closed Mondays. We don't trade on Mondays anymore, but we do on Saturdays, and we haven't done Saturdays for six years. And what we were finding was people, especially from out of town, would be saying, you know, we only come to town in the weekend. Um, 
from Alex or Clyde or whatever, and you're never opening the weekend. So we thought, well, we, we're missing all these people, and these people are missing us. So we decided it's uh, open Saturdays and closed Mondays. So if you're wondering, if you ever go in on a Monday and you think, hang on, he's not here, you know what's what. Well, do you know what's what? Well, well, I tell you what's what's what is new. There was a there was a very simple product that people were just desperate for, and you couldn't get it. There was no you couldn't get this for love or money. And now there's a new supplier, and they said, "Well, we've got the lot." And what they are is acrylic paint in a pen, so it looks like a like a vivid marker, mm. but it's actually acrylic paint. And you know why people people draw with them and, and and actually create art with them, but mostly people want to sign their name with them. Nobody seems to know how to sign their name with a brush and paint. It's a mystery to everyone, especially for acrylic painters. So from now on, and and watercolour painters as well, if you want to sign your name or or do some outlining or whatever, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. There's no way of applying acrylic paint as evenly as uh, as a pen because you know paint acrylic paint's quite sticky and it's kind of like toothpaste and it's a bit sticky so if you're doing outlines or something that's what you do with this acrylic pen you used to be able to get them and then we couldn't get them for years and we tracked it down we tried to get them from everywhere we got black and white which is very boring and now someone has brought out a new range of of all the colors so that is coming in in june and, uh, and I expect a queue outside the door for these because, because so many people – and it's frustrating because you know it's wanted. You know, you know it's popular. And, uh, and we just say, no, you can't get them. There's no such thing. So finally, when we heard oh, they're fantastic. available, we got the whole uh, range in. So that's going to be very, very exciting. And, and they'll flow, presumably, but then dry as soon as they're out of yeah, the – Yeah, it's, it's, it's just – what it is, it's basically liquid – acrylic like the liquid uh liquid golden acrylic and the high flow fluid golden acrylic which you can do this like in a little pottle with a nozzle so you can draw with it but it's a bit clumsy and it's a bit uneven Mm. so this is nothing but a felt pen that that uh flows out acrylic and there's three nozzles so i think there's there's the thick range the thin range and the calligraphy range. So there's hundreds and hundreds of these pens coming in, wow, that's and uh, and people will be very excited. Well, I'm excited. Just I can see, it. I can see you've got your, <laughs> yeah, I can see your leg going as we speak. I know. <laughs> it's not the sort of thing as a watercolor as a watercolor artist. You probably might want to sign your name, but watercolor is a lot easier, a lot more flowy. So you can. Ah, oh, you're right. Yes. Uh, acrylic is sticky. Oil is sticky and you know they say you can put uh, oil on acrylic but you can't put acrylic on oil this doesn't matter because this is not great big sheets of color this right, is just yes. like your signature is not going to flake off so no. so you can use it for anything well um talking of signatures um i must admit uh, I, I remember a very long time ago my brother uh, you know helped me to get started on watercolors it is i'm talking 40 probably more years ago and uh, I finished a painting, which I'm very proud of, and then uh, I said, oh, how do you sign it? And Clark said, well, you'll need a signing brush. And um, I thought, what, you judge it? you've got to be kidding, a signing <laughs> brush? What do you want a signing brush for? Surely you can just use any brush. Well, you try it with any brush and <laughs> you'll find out why you've you get got, a signing you've brush. You've got to have a – it's got to be long bristles and, and move, kind of like a uh, – like a like a nib, it's yes. got a, because you you can't have a big scrubbing brush to scrub your. Uh, no, no. What some people do, and I don't like this idea. They actually get a stamp from the stamp shop, and you know you can make up your oh, name, yeah. or you can make up a signature. They they will actually do, and you just go, 
Yes, no, thump, I don't like that either. And it's stamped, and that's not. It, it doesn't have any provenance, as far as I'm well, concerned. Well, no, because you get, anybody could do it. Uh, well, absolutely. If anyone could could get hold of your stamp, then you're yeah, in business. Yeah. But it's just lazy. I mean, how long? Do, unless your name is Mister Mugahumpterwich yes. or something. Hyphen. Uh, Kensington artist. Smythe. Yes. You know, you just just do it. <laughs> yes. just, <laughs> just well, the the other thing is uh, that even the signature has a variation. Uh, of you course know, it does, yeah. The, but the Chinese, of course, they have what's called a chop, and uh, that's a, a stamp. That's the red ink yes, stamp, that's right. isn't it? Yes. I've, I've got just a little plug for my ArtZone products. I've got these beautiful Chinese porcelain writing sets, and you've got the stick of ink and various brushes and a little thing that you can carve your thing into, and you make your own chop, and you've got a little thing of red ink as well. And, really? and and so you you carve your right. signature, but you've got one chance. Well, no, you've got a, a, heaps of chances. If you muck it up, you it sand is, it off, oh, have I'm another go. Over again. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh. it's like lithography, lithography, lithography stones, isn't it? You do your artwork, and when it's finished, you yes, scrape it I back, see. and you and you begin Start again. Over again. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's fantastic. We learn so much here. We learn so much. And, and it is it is silly with that uh, with that stamp because you can you can make a stamp. Yes, you know, I could you I could get a Ron Esplin stamp. You could. It could be quite uh, quite a big stamp. It would and it would up the value of my watercolors no, exponentially. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the uh, I have actually got a chop uh, and they Well, put, I gave you the chop years ago. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you you said I wasn't much chop, no. which is which is uh, the reality. Uh, but uh, anyway, the uh, signing brush uh, was a very good idea indeed. But I do, in my classes, people do get to that point where they say, oh, how will I sign it? And um, it's actually a, a bad signature can really spoil things. So it's actually something that's worth practicing mm. uh, for a while before you actually apply it to um, a painter. And my other advice with signatures is don't be like Ralph Hotry that signed his name blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Be clear. You want to. You, there's nothing worse than looking at a painting, and going, "Have you heard it? Do you know who this is? Who, who could yes. this be?" And I've I've got paint. I've got a very old painting. Uh, it's a very simple watercolor. It was from 1913. I picked it up in a junk shop. It's just a really lovely little picture, and I can't read the signature. Who it was, yeah. And it's frustrating because he could have been someone. Could have been an old art society guy, at the turn of the century. Yeah. And you just think, write your name clearly because people might want to know what your name is down the track. Right. And there's another thing that I'd like to mention. I didn't know we were going to talk about signatures, but it's fascinating, really. Uh, early on, I used to put the year on it underneath the signature. Uh, but after about 20 years, <laughs> I thought, why am I doing that? Uh, people are looking at the painting and say, oh, I'm not going to buy this. It's 20 years old. And uh, so um, I uh, started uh, putting the, the date on the back. Oh. Uh, and uh, so I number them all. And then I put the uh, uh, a number on the back and the date, uh, and uh, what else do I do? That's about it. And and the uh, and the medium, so that people yeah. know what. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Well, th this is and this is what I say to people that are getting things framed. You know, that great grandma did. I say write something. You're those people are the bridge between great grandma and the next generations in a hundred years. Mm. While you remember, write down who it was, mm. how much you can remember, because by the time their great great grandchildren get it, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. The yeah. knowledge is gone. So I said, just write a paragraph of you know who it was, where she was born, 
We should look just something. Give give them because that is a simple inf- information. Once it's gone, you'll never ever how true get it. The other thing with I never thought about that actually um, about that date. The other thing about a date is don't don't put uh, you know we're we're at the stage of life now where you don't put nineteen because it, is it nineteen nineteen or two thousand and nineteen? Uh, yes, that's it right. It could have yeah. it could have been anything. You know, you, you think of the the documents like your bank deposit slips yes. in the nineteen the year was always put 19 dot 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 you put the year in but you can't you don't do 19s anymore right you can do uh 20s and that will last for the next 80 years <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, we've crossed true. over we've gone over the century so yes it's, yeah it's, so it's a bit the whole, the whole year in i must confess that i've done a terrible thing where in the past i have scratched the date off and updated it because i've i have i've, I've done things where you think that was a really good painting and maybe you forget about it yes and you, and you know you haven't shown it and you think oh no i'll have another go at that yes you know but it may, may be four years old and i have i've have, uh, i've had the razor blade out and you just scrape the scrape the last number off and <laughs> right well actually uh, that, that's legitimate uh, because i'll pull out an old painting and i go oh my goodness me that's a terrible painting and then i will fix it hmm and then, I, then it's legitimate for me then to to change the yeah. date on the back. But, but you've seen you've seen paintings where they say you know painted uh, eighteen ninety one ninety three, which right. means he's been fiddling with it for two years. Yes, and and this is what happens. It's a, it's interesting when you go back. I've got a junk room at home, and I've got all sorts of stuff in. It, and every now and again, you pull out a painting, you think actually that's not too bad. Yes, you know, right. I'll, I'll carry on with it. You're fed <laughs> up with it at the time. You're sick of the side of it. But there's a few things I've gone back to and you think oh i'll have another go at that and whether whether you save it or not you know two years ago you rejected it you're going to chuck it on the fire and this is why they say never no matter how bad your painting is never throw them out right hang on to them if if for nothing else you look at it and say this is bad painting look how far i've come because you forget you forget how much you've progressed yeah so yeah that's the rule never throw even a doodle never throw anything out yeah i know max gimblet actually uh you know he took a long 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 time doing the swirls and twirls and stuff and now he's getting i don't know it must be 10 to thirty thousand. Oh, it's fun i saw a uh, i saw well i I shouldn't say i'll I'll tell you this little story i came home very late one night i turned the telly i thought a bit of telly before i go to bed and there was this documentary about an artist, and I thought, this is hilarious. I'm going to watch this. This is really funny. And I realized it, it was, was serious. It oh. wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a spoof of the artist. It was him. And I couldn't stop watching it because I thought, I, I would have watched this as a comedy. I'm definitely going to watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a, f- a friend, uh, didn't he, who uh, uh, he'd do about six or seven of them at a time. Mm. And then uh, his friend would, uh, you know, he'd sort them out and uh, decide which ones. Oh, it was very serious. You, you, you see these two young folks come. They'd, they'd run a canvas in, mm-hmm. and he would go. And he was a, he's a Buddhist monk or something yes, like that's that. Right. And he'd go, oh, and he'd wave around. And then his assistant would go, 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 run it away, run it away. And he's had his, like, his 10-second moment of painting, and it's gone. It's there, and it's gone. Mm. And, and they're walking away, and it was these massive things. Yes. And, uh, and, and that, that's his artwork. Yes, it is. And he says, I think he mentions Zen. Zen, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yep, he gets into that. Thing. Yeah. He's uh, based in New York. Yes, he's, he's a, yes. A, a, I think he's been in New York for a long time because he's got a bit of a New York twang when he yes. when he speaks. But I, but I looked at that and thought, I, I'm I'm too much of a pleb. I'm going to need someone to explain that he, work he, to he, me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did curse the fact that he did actually um, 
uh, throw away uh, oh. a lot of paintings, you know. Could you imagine what it would be? An early Max Gimlet. Yeah. And, yes. and this is the other thing. Uh, this is what I would say to people, especially younger younger folks, be careful how generous you are giving your paintings to grandma and your friends who are getting married because you might be giving, you know, as time goes on, you yes. might be giving away some very, very – you may have given away some very expensive well, right. products. So little ones. Yes, little. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do the little ones. <laughs> well, I think we, well, I'm going to play a bit of music. Uh, and I'm going to play – because we're going to look at the Beatles later on, uh, later on, uh, we're going to – I'll play Norwegian Wood, which I always rather liked, by the, by the, the Beatles from the Rubber Soul album. album. And then we'll just look at what's happening in the Otago Art Society uh, and DPAG. And after that, we'll return to the uh, the interesting uh, covers of the Beatles uh, albums that we've been reviewing up until recently. Nice one. So here we go. Norwegian Wood. Norwegian. That was a very brief song. I seem to remember Norwegian Wood being somewhat longer than that. Uh, well, let's see now. Oh, it hasn't got the time on it. Uh, quite often they tell you how long it is, which is pretty useful, actually. <laughs> uh, you don't get caught short. But it was, in fact, three minutes 22. Who was it? No. <laughs> that's the next one. Sorry. I was going to say that's a, that was a, a minute, surely. <laughs> it was a bit. In fact, it's got two titles. Uh, so a short tune from the Beatles uh, uh, it deserved two titles, Norwegian Wood, and it's This Bird Has Flown. Uh, and if you listen to the words, um, actually, I think I can probably say what it, what it actually is because they were great for puns, the Beatles. 
And uh, in fact, if you if you substitute what they were actually trying to say, it's no virgin wood. And if you and so I lit a fire, isn't it nice? No virgin wood, because the girl is picking him up and. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah, how how bizarre! Because there's a lot of you know, it's like the misheard lyrics, isn't it, of, yes. of songs? Yeah. Oh, so it was a deliberate. It was a deliberate thing. So it wasn't a, it misunderstood, and they carried it on. They actually that was deliberate. Well, the Norwegian would she was misunderstood. That's why. That's why they ended up together like that. <laughs> I haven't listened to that. I, okay, I'll, when I go home, I'll listen to it properly, and okay. I'll give you my report. It, it won't take long. No. <laughs> <laughs> Right, now we're going to look at the Otago Art Society. Well, they've just finished their uh, their meow exhibition. This was mm. all about cats, mm. and I didn't I didn't enter. This was for this was a charity thing to like the Save the Cats Brigade, mm. and uh, and I didn't uh, put one in because I'm not a huge cat person. I was going to do Cat Stevens. <laughs> I was going to do Cat Stevens in front of the uh, Noir Chat poster, you know, that very famous one, but it was hugely successful and. Oh, excuse me. I must say, I did go down and have a look at the exhibition, and it was really, really good. There were so many variations. You think of oh, just a picture of a cat, but there were so many variations on that theme. It was a really impressive exhibition. Uh, so it's just got a little, uh, a little blurb here. It says, "From sophisticates to alley cats, the gallery walls are currently adorned with a vibrant display of mixed media artistry. Come and vote for your favourite." Your favourite for the People's Choice Award, or better still, buy a work and give it a forever home. The exhibition is providing popular with the public, uh, being part of the Fringe Festival and having activities to attract families has brought new f- new faces into our premises. It was pleasing to hear a comment about how welcoming the atmosphere is, and this is what the Art Society uh, should do, really. Well, I quite like the idea of themes. So you're not necessarily getting artist people to have a look at the art. You're getting cat people. Yes. Anything to get as many people through the door as possible. And there's a lot of people that would have seen that that would never go to the art society because it's, it's not their thing. True. But they, but they are in the cat business. So that was a very good thing and a very good way of using the um, the uh, Fringe Festival. Of course, uh, yes. As you know, tying two things in together, there's no there's no point in everyone being separate. You, right. Everyone has to kind of work together. And this cat exhibition was a great example of two organisations actually uh, holding hands, and, together, and, and everyone yeah. everyone scored out of it. It was great. And uh, I think you know it was nice. These people would not be used to going to a gallery, and uh, you know it would give them some time out uh, looking at a, a subject that was favourite. Uh, you know, that was uh, their favourite subject, the cats. Yeah. I would say it was probably the pause that refreshes. Would that be right? Uh, yes, that would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> took a while the, to yeah, build that one up. Yeah, that was very good. That was, it was a bit of a long bow, but you got there in the end. Uh, and it's, it, you know, I've heard a few people, I say to people, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? I say, oh, no, I, I wouldn't. It's too intimidating to go to an art gallery. Yes. Which is not. You, when you go to an art gallery, you're, you have, nobody expects anything of you. No, you except don't to have get to, out of the way. Except to, but <laughs> this is the thing. You don't have to critique it. You don't have to comment. You don't have to buy one. Just go and take a look. It's nothing. And, and without people having a look, the galleries may not be there. So if anyone's feeling intimidated about going into a gallery, don't. don't. You're, you're welcome. They love to see you. <laughs> they do indeed. Uh, in fact, uh, you've got to stop them from rushing up and uh, saying hello because they've only had two visitors. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Um, I just wanted to mention that the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, of course, the Hotary exhibition is going to come to an end. So, uh, you know, if you haven't been to see it yet, you really must go. Um, uh, so uh, uh, it seemed to be on, you know, for so long, and uh, and you think, oh, I'll go there. I'll go there sometime. This is the problem yeah. with some of those, especially the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. They are on for so long, yes. And then you you feel that you know, if it's on for two weeks, you think, right, I've got to do it next weekend. But right. it's like it's like anything. Oh, just any time, and you yeah, never get around yeah, to it. Yeah, and then you have you, you seen it? In. Yes, all twi- have, I've been up twice. I, have, I haven't seen yeah. it. I'll have to. When, just when's the final date? Because I might have to. Uh, uh, that's a very good question. I'll put you on the spot there. Uh, you have. Well, we can find uh, that out. We can uh, we can tell you a bit later we can. how long that goes. Absolutely. But I mean, just uh, yeah, next next weekend. The weekends are always good to see these things. Go and have a look. Right, excellent. Uh, now, I think probably leading up to um, uh, the end of April, they, they, they're they're doing. Um, uh, some place based activity with Anzac poppies. You know, they do all sorts of things at the uh, at the art gallery. They have kids programs, camouflage workshop on the twenty second of May with artists Octavia Cook and Ed Ritchie. Uh, they have lovely uh, f- uh, talks, and they've got Doug Hart, the uh, president of uh, the Otago Art Society, coming to talk on the nineteenth of May, at ten thirty to eleven thirty. Free, a free talk. Doug's not even. Uh, charging for the privilege of hearing him talk. Um, there's a free documentary on the 16th of May, 2021, and that's by Barry Barclay. They have Music Months, uh, where you can go to a free lunchtime performance. That's uh, this. There's one here that's step, happening on the 18th of May in two, uh, this year, 12.30 to 1.30. And uh, a jewellery workshop, especially for children, 30th of April, uh, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. So that's uh, that's wonderful. And uh, these free lunchtime performances, there's one on uh, on Tuesday, May the 4th, and there's another one on Tuesday, May the 11th. Uh, so um, that's uh, worth worthwhile. Check it out. I'm uh, glad they do those because it would be very easy just to say, look, the, the picture, pictures are hanging on the wall Come and see them, or don't. That's right. But there's uh, there's always something on, there's always, and it's and it's good to get the kids involved in that. Exactly. So they're used to going to the art gallery. I've been going to the art gallery since I was a kid when it was out Logan Park. Oh, me, yeah. me and Dad used to go out there, and it you know it, it was made, made it like it's not a big deal. It's it, it's it, just a normal thing just a to normal do. thing to do. Absolutely. Like you go to the museum or whatever. <laughs> That's brilliant. Now I think I'll play another uh, bit of music, and. Um, uh, but I, w- I will do it in a, in just a minute because I just wanted to say about that Rubber Soul album that was yes. on. Uh, uh, the uh, I did mention in the earlier um, uh, broadcast that Robert Freeman had a lot to do with the um, the phot- photographic uh, images that were used in the uh, Beatles uh, albums. And with Rubber Soul, which was uh, published in uh, 1965, was released then, uh, the... Um, Freeman uh, had been uh, doing a lot of work shooting the Beatles all in suede jackets deep in the woods near John Lennon's uh, Kenwood estate in Weybridge. I lived in Weybridge when this was happening, for goodness sake. In 1969, I was there. So maybe it wasn't quite a bit later than when they were doing that. But they were actually in Weybridge at the time that I was. I never bumped into them, but Tom Jones was there too. So he apparently drank at the pub down the road. 
Uh, but apparently something interesting happened when they all got together a few days later, the Beatles, that is, uh, to select an image to use on the cover of Rubber Soul. Um, Robert Freeman was projecting slides on an album-sized cutout of white cardboard so everyone could envision what they'd look like as a finished product. Then the cardboard moved, and everyone decided they loved the newly distorted effect. It was stretched. And uh, <laughs> see that? We've got an image of it right here. Yes, everything's just a little bit elongated. Yes, and they said, oh, that's rubber soul, McCartney said. And uh, and uh, that's uh, that's how they called it, rubber soul, rubber soul, because the image was stretched uh, for the cover. So you, a lot of things you don't know why. That's the happy accidents, isn't it? it? You couldn't design that. That's no, the couldn't. sort of thing you'd have to stumble across. And, and absolutely right. So now I'm going to play uh, something from Revolver, and we'll have a wee talk about that. And uh, uh, Paul McCartney wrote uh, this. Well, I know it was Lennon and McCartney, but. Uh, often they uh, accredited uh, what might have been written by one of the uh, the two writers, uh, but uh, attributed it both to Lemon and Lennon and McCartney. But McCartney wrote this song here, and he reckons it was the best song he ever wrote. So have a listen and see if you may well know it. That song. It's uh, I can see why uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, well, he, he certainly said at one time that it was his favourite 
his favourite song. It just goes to show you don't need these these massive arrangements to make a good song. You could just, it's almost sort of singing to yourself, isn't it? it, it well, it is, yeah. And just to get, well, there, there is some orchestration in there. Too. A little bit of harmonies. Bit. But but if you, had a, if you had a guitar and you were just sit, sitting quietly under a tree, you could, you could do a good job with that, I think. I think so. Well, I think he did. <laughs> he did very good. Well, that was off the album Revolver, made in 1966, as indeed I was. Made in 1966. <laughs> they it could have been my middle name. Andy Revolver Cook, they could have called me. But uh, So Robert Freeman actually uh, came up with the initial idea of involving a montage of the Beatles' four faces. But that was ultimately shelved in favour of a design by Klaus Vormann, uh, an old friend from the uh, Hamburg days. Vormann drew the Beatles' faces from memory. Uh, though he struggled with one, George's face was very difficult to draw. Vorman later told Martin O'Gorman, he said it was, it was easy with John, Paul and Ringo, but George was always a problem. He says, I, uh, I could not get his face right. So eventually, I took a newspaper and cut, the, uh, cut those uh, eyes and mouth out. Vorman then uh, met Lennon and, and McCartney at Lennon's uh, Kenwood uh, home, where they sifted through more old magazines and newspaper articles looking for images to complete the cover. Each was then superimposed on Vorman's line drawing. And uh, if you you probably know the the Revolver album, it's a very famous one, a very sort of scratchy uh, pen and ink. And it's funny because the, the the all of the Beatles, well, three of them have very specific faces. There's a very famous. Uh, doodle that John Lennon did as a self-portrait, and there's only four or five lines, but it just looks like him. And I must say, um, everyone has a has a particular look. But uh, George Harrison, I don't know, he he's he's kind of features. There's nothing to get a hold of. You know, Paul had his droopy eyes, and John had his uh, sort of uh, very thin eyes. Um, uh, Ringo had his lips and his nose, and he had droopy eyes as well. But uh, George Harrison, yeah, he, he didn't really have much to go on. So that's how uh, Mr. Vorman cheated. What's up next, Ron? Well, I think um, I, was, I was thinking about playing um, Sergeant Peppers, which everybody knows, you know. But um, I thought I might uh, play uh, 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 another one by McCartney, actually, and it comes off uh, the Beatles' Love album. But it was originally from uh, Sergeant Peppers. Uh, and um, the track that I'm thinking about is Blackbird and Yesterday, uh, which are, um, I think they're iconic, you know. What do you, what do you think? I think they're, uh, well, they are iconic. And Yesterday um, just reminds me of the film they made. You would have seen the Yesterday film. It was a, it was a, a genius premise where the guy lives in an, an alternative reality where the Beatles have never existed. They have for him, oh, and he's eh? and he's credited with all the Beatles songs, and he doesn't actually realise that uh, he's being credited with the you know some of the greatest songs ever. He thinks he's just doing covers of them. It's a really it's a very good idea, but uh, so Blackbird and Yesterday, you say? Uh, well, I thought so. Perhaps we could do Sergeant Peppers. What do you think? Yeah, do it. Ah, okay, I like it. No one's going to say, "Oh, not that old thing again." It's one of the <laughs> it's one of the most classical songs of all time. And uh, I know we did discuss it uh, last time, and uh, we spoke about some of the interesting things regarding the um, the people that were on that yeah. cover. Uh, does it have anything to say about the the cover? Just as a matter of interest. 
of the Sergeant Peppers. Peppers. Well, yeah. uh, this was a, this was the um, Sergeant Peppers Lonely Hearts Club Club Band from 1967. McCartney's friend Robert Fraser uh, was a gallery dealer. Actually, uh, first suggested uh, the growing growing pop. Art artist Peter Blake is a possible collaborator. Together, McCartney and Blake hit upon the idea of uh, life-size constructed collage. Uh, he said, we thought that uh, if we did that, we could have everyone in the crowd. Blake later remembered that uh, opened up a whole magical uh, area, which members, uh, members made suggestions for the invited audience behind them, picking heroes, gurus, stars. But the Beatles came up short. In fact, Ringo uh, picked only one or two, reportedly waving them off by saying, uh, whatever the others say is fine by me. That left Blake and, the Ameri- and his American-born wife, Jan uh, Wayworth, to uh, fill out the collage. The only women chosen were by Peter and I, Wayworth uh, told uh, the news, uh, de- uh, Desert News. No, dis. What's that? What is that? District. Oh. That's not even a word. No, no. Something news in 2007. So the Beatles only picked guys. That was a, and that name looks a bit we- uh, off to um, Walworth. Who's got a name like Walworth? Wal- Wal- Walworth. That's well worth Wal- nothing. <laughs> it's, well worth, it's well worth knowing. <laughs> That's a, that's a silly, I want to know what this is. If you if you think I can't read English, well, I was told it's Deserit News. Deserit News. Deserit? No. Des- I don't know. It's not even a word. Only no. only normal words, please, people. Right. Okay. So uh, let's have a listen. Right. Here we go. It's iconic. This one. I remember when it came out. By golly, it was. Uh, we just loved it.
There we go. I, I'm sorry. I cut it off because I knew it was going to be, uh, uh, you know, um, going into. What was it? Uh, well, oh, what was uh, it? a little help. <laughs> little help from my friends. Yeah, is that well is, was that actually one song, or was that two songs blended for that they, album? They blended and see a lot. A lot has that happened in um, Sergeant Pepper's, right? Uh, because it was really breaking new ground. Yeah. Uh, so but, the, but you always associate one with the other because you know it runs in as well. Like you, when you hear that, you expect you know what the next song is going to be. Put it that way. Exactly. Yeah. Now the uh, the next album cover we're interested in, uh, which was we, we've got this actually in in order. Uh, you might be surprised to know, and uh, this is uh, Magical Mystery Tour, which came out. Oh, it's got a date. There, in right? 1967. Well, they were fearful that. The uh, Beatles might split after their longtime manager died, and uh, an overwhelmed uh, Paul McCartney took the lead on the ill-conceived, thrown-together follow-up to Sgt. Pepper's, right down to its uh, equally slapdash album cover. The, mis- the mystery tour packaging was all Paul's idea. Uh, Beatles press officer Tony Barris subsequently confirmed he said everything happened in such a mad rush after uh, Brian Epstein died uh, because Paul was worried that the band would simply fall apart without some guidance. McCartney didn't uh, get around to the album art until a matter of, matter of weeks before uh, the record was due to hit the stores. Peter Max, another emerging pop art devotee, uh, was uh, belatedly brought in to create psychedelic graphics around the image of the Beatles in costumes from their I Am The Walrus video. Well, that's very interesting. And it's... Uh, it's it seems. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know how how things work. It's a terrible album cover. It's a it's a very strange. It does look thrown together. But you just think, just because the, uh, Brian Epstein died, they had enough years behind them to know what they were doing. It's not like they were starting day one and it was all fresh. I'm I'm surprised that Paul McCartney uh, was worried about uh, a split because they didn't have what I guess they thought was a father figure. Well, you know, um, you're quite right. Um, and on that album cover, they're dressed up. They, they, what they actually did is they, they hired a bus and they just took a, a, some cameras and just filmed whatever happened on the way, you know. Mm. So it was absolutely just dreamed up as they just went Just made up along. as they went along. And um, you'll notice here that on the cover, and this is a very important point, they're all dressed as various odd kind of things. He's a, a rooster. And a, a sort of a rabbit kind of thing, and uh, it looks like a monkey or Goblin something like that. Or something. And this is a, a walrus, and um, this is this explains to um, you people out there if uh, Beatles aficionados uh, when I am the walrus was one of those tracks on Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, in fact, they say the walrus was Paul, and in fact, on the cover, that's Paul. As the walrus. So, what does the what does a walrus uh, signify? You're a walrus. What what does that mean? Well, I think they they, they were just dressed up in these madcap uh, uniforms, and uh, they took photographs. It ended up on the cover, and um, one of the songs "I Am the Walrus" was probably um, uh, generated because of these because, crazy oh, costumes. I see. You see. And uh, now they they, they uh, felt they needed to uh, explain to the public that, <laughs> Just what, the, uh, the what wal- the hell's going on. The walrus was Paul. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. So it, that, well, so what do you what do you think of the album cover? They they 
you know, it's uh, described as higgledy piggledy and thrown together. It's not. A, it's not a good looking cover not at, at all. Not at all. No. It looks like it's just been literally chucked together. Yes, but of course, it's a, in the psychedelia thing, you know, you had these odd kind of. Um, uh, uh, letters that yeah. when they spelled them out. And they so were they were always fat letters, weren't they? In yes. in the seventies, like like the you remember how the goodies used to write goodies with yeah. those big fat yeah, pumped up right. letters, same sort of thing. It was just the just the way it was in the day. It, it was, and I think we'll just play magical I history too. What do you think? I'm trying to remember where it is. Here mm-hmm. it goes.
Isn't that lovely? And that's uh, from uh, the, um, actually from the Love Album, uh, which was um, uh, okayed by George Martin and uh, and team. And uh, it was sort of a, uh, a, almost a circus kind of thing. Uh, what's the name of that circus that they've got? Oh, like Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil, yeah. yeah. Very acrobatic Correct. Sort of uh, thing. And, and, that w- and they decided to use the uh, Beatles as a theme. And uh, so um, that was um, uh, so a track from there. Uh, now, I did add uh, in uh, Glass Onion uh, because uh, the next album we're talking about actually is rather odd uh, because it had no title. They'd actually been talking about doing the Beatles themselves had been talking about uh, doing an album that had no title at all. Uh, so uh, uh, Andy's going to tell us about uh, a few interesting factoids. It's like uh, it's like Prince changed his name to just a symbol, so no one no one really knew what to call him. They called him Squiggle. <laughs> well, it was a symbol of his inability inability to cope with reality. <laughs> Which is a very long, drawn-out name. <laughs> the Beatles, 1968. And the Beatles had talked about releasing an album with no title or artist credit as far back as, as uh, 1964's uh, With The Beatles. Four years later, they went one step further by putting out a record with nothing on it at all. Uh, well, except for a unique uh, serial number. Uh, that was meant to create an, icon- uh, an ironic situation for a numbered edition of something like five million copies. Pop-out uh, standout Richard Hamilton later admitted Hamilton's design initially featured only one embossed version of the band's name in uh, Hel- Helvetica type. Oh, yeah. He throws these words at me. Do you know what that means, Helvetica? Well, Helvetica is uh, it's Swedish. Oh, um, and um, that's uh, sort of the name of, uh, but but it's just a uh, a typeface. Just a just a standard uh, type. So in a Helvetica type, a stark contrast with the Beatles' previously uh, previous four uh, decorated releases. Later editions included the Beatles in grey, uh, while the value of the lower numbered copies absolutely skyrocketed. Uh, Starr's personal copy, which was numbered 000001, sold for a whopping, wait for it, $790,000 at auction in 2015. That's for one record, 790,000 copies. So did I read that right? There was... Like there was music on the album, it was just, it was the cover that had nothing on it. They weren't exactly. releasing blank, no. blank discs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. This reminds me. Can I tell you a quick story? I've just, just jumped into my head. Uh, when my dad was working in England, they'd be digging up the road, you know, and they'd go in for smoko sausages, eggs, and chips about ten o'clock in the morning. And there was always a jukebox there. In all of these places was a jukebox, and you know the most popular song that was played on the jukebox, the blank one. They would pay to have three minutes of, <laughs> of silence. And then someone else would come. Three minutes of silence. Someone would sneak in and put a record on, so they're going to listen to a racket. But he said the most popular record that was played was the one that provided a certain amount of silence. That's which is brilliant. Isn't it? It's just a bit of peace and quietness. So that's really interesting. There's a very, a very uh, strange album. And it's a shame because... Well, I mean, they were getting a bit alternative at that time. But when you think of an album, you can have anything. You can put any image on you like. And I guess having no image is uh, 
that, that's a, a trick as well. I don't know. I think they they missed a trick. You could you could have had the the greatest album cover ever because mind you, everyone knows the White Album. They do. You know, you would if you said to people name three albums of the Beatles. Yes. it would be Sgt Pepper's White. Yes, and any other ones that, that yeah, follow. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's always the White Album. And it was the double album. The double, the double White. And yeah. the, the the number nine was on there, which was a kind of um, you know, just went on and on saying number nine, <laughs> number nine. Oh, I've heard. Number nine. <laughs> That's too and, weird. And you see, they, they put it out in grace as well, didn't yes, they? Yes, yeah. Which is an interesting thing. But at that, at that point, you could, you could then start coloring them. You could say, well, yeah. okay, there's only, uh, there's only 100 red ones of the White Album. 100, you know, you could just go on sure. and on. Well, I sold off quite a few of my albums, and one of them was the White Album. And uh, I actually got it, you know, they, it came back as an inquiry, a question, you know. Is it number zero nine one two six nine five four fifteen or something like that? And I thought, my goodness, what does he want? So anyway, I had a look at the number, and it wasn't. <laughs> so uh, presumably, how much did they sell it for? Well, well, this was this was obvious. You know, like all the zeros one. So that was the first one. And they got seven hundred ninety thousand dollars yes, in uh, two thousand and fifteen. But of course, that was the the first one. Yeah, yes, I see. You know, I'm kind of sorry that it, that wasn't my one. Well, uh, we were talking about getting a razor blade out and scraping numbers <laughs> off your painting. I did, you missed a trick there. Uh, I would have, I would have, I would have been yep, anything you want. There's no doubt about <laughs> you. <laughs> well, look, we've had a lot of fun uh, examining the Beatles album covers, and we've, we're now up to the double white album, which is very appropriate. And I remember you said something about your birthday, didn't you? I'm having a birthday very soon, yes. Oh, well. What, that, what, what do I get for my birthday? You don't get anything, oh. of course. Uh, but um, uh, I, my wife's name is Julie. So in a tribute to Julie, I'm going to play Julia off the Love album. And uh, in a tribute to you, we're going to play Year Birthday. Oh, nice. So that's to knock off, and we're going to say thank you all very much for listening. You've been listening to the Arty Farty Show on 105.4 FM on Otago Access Radio. Come again another time.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.